Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Friday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer G. Hey Wiley G, how are you doing on this glorious Friday? Well, not only is it a glorious Friday, Arash... But it is somebody special's birthday. Happy birthday, Arash. Yeah. I got I gotta I gotta play this before you ah! yeah. Stevie Wonder. <laughs> My man. Oh yeah. Thank you for that, GA. That is my yeah. favorite birthday song. I'm very excited about this day, about my birthday. So, uh, but GA, there is a lot of headlines. There is a lot to get to. So let's get to today's headlines right now. All right, headline number one, Arash. I love this headline, by the way. <laughs> the Clippers blew out the Lakers last night like we were expecting, 132 to 111, and led by 30 points with less than a minute left in the fourth quarter. The Clippers have now swept a season series and won seven straight games against the Lakers. What was your biggest takeaway from the game? You know, my biggest takeaway is that the Lakers don't want to play anymore. I mean, uh, they look like a team that quit, and I don't want to take a thing away from the Clippers because they have won seven straight against the Lakers. They died. Dominated them. They are the best team in Los Angeles right now. Kudos to them. But, GA, when you get blown out by uh, 30 points or 20 some odd points, this is the third time in a row, by the way, that the Lakers have just looked like they have quit. Again, when you're down by 30 points to the Pelicans, when you're down by 30 points to the Clippers, these are teams that are around below a couple of games above 500. These are not great teams. So I, again, no knock on the Clippers. Kudos to you. You've won the season series, swept the season series. You are the best team in Los Angeles. What that says in this season, it means that you're better than the Lakers, but the Lakers are just... They're just terrible. Yeah, that's kind of a low bar. In the the words of our friend Nick Hamilton, they are hot hot garbage, he calls them. (laughs) Hot hot garbage. They're just so bad, G.A. And so my biggest takeaway watching them is they just don't want to play anymore. They don't look like they're going through the motions. And it's so frustrating to watch. The fans are booing this. These are fa- these are Lakers faithful. These are Lakers fans who have paid big money because it still costs a lot of money to go to these games. And they're like, what the heck are you guys doing out there? It's, yeah. it's so frustrating to watch. Yeah, I mean, my takeaway from this game is that Reggie is just the man. That's he right. is ridiculous. Also, this team, um, and I believe Vogel said it, they're a great three-point shooting team, and you yeah. have to guard against the three, right? And that's just something that the Lakers just did not <laughs> did not come up to the plate and, and do. No. So, um, g- gotta give credit to to my Reggie, especially you since too? yeah, especially since this team again. We've said it time and time again that they've been um, since they've been winning and they've been on this streak. They were not expected to be here. They were not expected no. to even be in playoff consideration, let alone, you know, maybe fighting for sixth place, right? So I think the fact that they're here, it's a testament to this crew. It's a testament to these people. Like, it's a testament to these guys as a whole that they are family. You know, because like here's the thing, because if you told me before this season, if you told me before this season that they would not have Kawhi for the entire season, that they would not have Paul George, 
This is not a playoff team, but like you just said, they are a couple of games away from being the sixth seed. They are the eighth seed right now. They are one game away from the seventh. So they're in not only the playoff hunt, I actually like them to do something come postseason. I mean, they've played extremely well. So kudos to the Clippers for the way that they're uh, playing. But, um, you know. The Lakers are just hot garbage, hot as Nick garbage. Hamilton would say. All right. Speaking of hot garbage, the Lakers are 0-4 since the All-Star break and <laughs> have lost 11, 11 of their last 14 wow. games. Arash, they are now 27-35, and 35, a season-worst eight games below 500 and are just one game from dropping to the 10th seed and wow. two games from dropping to the 11th seed <laughs> and compete completely dropping out of the play-in tournament, words I thought I'd never say. There are still 20 games left in this season. Do you have any hope this season? Can be saved. I don't. I don't. And but like, what does like what does it mean to save your season? Because I, I think I think they can still get into the play in tournament only because and only because Portland has essentially waved the white flag. You know, when you trade CJ McCollum, this is not a, a team that really thought that they'd be in play in tournament contention. But the Lakers are so bad, they they just might by default pass the Lakers and be in that play in tournament. I mean, if the Lakers and I never thought. Gee, I, I never thought we would be having this conversation of them not even making the play-in tournament. That, to me, is crazy. When you talk about this new play-in tournament format where you have to drop to the 11 seed, th- the fact that we're having this conversation is nuts. The fact that they haven't won a game since the All-Star break, the fact that they've lost 11 of 14, they're just a really bad team. And I, and I, know, I know that's not breaking news, but this team went from, like, Man, I can't believe they're like a 500 team. I can't believe they're like a 7 or 8 seed. Too. Like, they may not even make the play-in tournament. They may not even be one of the top 10 teams in the Western Conference. That is crazy to me. Yeah, I mean, th- this is just... I don't know. I, I, I'm happy about this. I'm excited. <laughs> I know you this are. is amazing. Yes. Um, and I, I love how... Um, your boy, Russell Westbrook, keeps saying that, you know, season ain't over, season ain't over. I'm like, honey, so the season's over. Like, Did you see yeah. the confrontation he had with my friend Bill Oram from The Athletic, who was asking a really legitimate question? Like, this has not gone the way that you played it out in your mind. He's like, um, uh, tell me, how, you, how you know how I played it out? Like, Russell, I really don't know exactly how you played it out, but did you have yourself eight games below 500? Did you have yourself getting booed? booed at home yeah i mean like so enough with i mean like they, they want to like f- uh, the same fight that you have going after the reporters during the press conference have that fight on the court because that yeah. is not that kind of intensity that i'm seeing from this team on the court it's a joke it's ridiculous i mean it's a very simple question this is things have not played out the way that you thought can you touch on that yeah and, and he's getting into you don't know how i thought I can pretty much assure you didn't have yourself being like eight games below 500 and missing the play-in tournament. This is yeah. this is absolutely ridiculous right now. That's exactly how I was feeling as I was yelling during post ga- the post-game interview and saying, "You were not expecting this, bro. You yeah. were thinking, "Hey, I'm going to I- I'm going I'm going to be losing during this whole entire no. game." Like this it's- that's not those weren't your expectations. Exactly. You know, the beautiful thing about uh, Sports Talk Radio is we are doing the board. We're doing a little bit of everything. It's a one-man show here. But, uh, you know, we got we got the headlines and 
We are actually performing at the level of the Lakers right now. We we really are. And I'm glad that you are are moving us forward, Arash. Thank you so much. The Clippers are now 34 and 31 as I horrify this uh, segment. Um, And just one game back of the seventh seed and three games back from being the sixth seed and in the playoffs and are out of the play-in tournament. The Clippers have won five straight games in seven of their last eight games and have found their go-to guy in Reggie Jackson, my boy, without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. What is this team ceiling, Arash, without their two superstars? Can they actually make a deep run? I think that they could. Now, do I think that they will? No. But Reggie Jackson has changed the way that I think about this team, and he did that a year ago. I mean, if you remember a year ago, that series against the Utah Jazz, I think, was 2-2, and Kawhi goes down, and he's out for the series, and they're going to Utah. That series, in my mind, was done. You, you go to Utah, you lose, you come back to Los Angeles, and the series is done. Reggie Jackson developed into that second star. Paul George became the go-to guy, and Jackson was the number two guy. The amazing thing, what they may have found, is that Reggie Jackson may give the Clippers a big three. He may give them a big three. Next season, when they get Kawhi back, when they get Paul George back, the way that he is performing is that of a guy who like will be fine with the role that you find for him. You want me to be the go-to guy right now? I could do that for you. You want me to be the number two guy if Kawhi's out? Well, well, that's fine with me. Like I could do that. If he can be fine, if he can adjust to being the number three guy, the Clippers, in my view, would be the favorites to win it all next season. And you know what I compared this team to? This is like the summer before they got Kawhi and before they got Paul George on July 4th. That was a scrappy team that gets into the playoffs. They pushed the Warriors as far as they could, and and no one thought that team was going to compete for a championship. But, but... They sign Kawhi, they get Paul George, and for a moment they were the prohibitive favorites to win it. They were the number one or two seed. I mean, this team a year from now. So the ceiling, in my view, they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to make the first round. I don't think they're going to get past the first round, quite frankly. Where I'm viewing what they're doing right now, the way Ty Lue's coaching them, the way Jackson's playing, this could be the championship favorites going into next season. I mean, definitely if they're healthy. That's what I'm saying. They're going to get Kawhi. They're going to get Paul George back next season. So we're not talking about they they may come back this season, but I'll, you know, play this out till October. Like they're going to get Kawhi back next season. They're going to get Paul George back. So next season, all predictions are predicated on health. If they get Kawhi back, Paul George back. You know, if Jackson's your number three guy, they're in the position that they are in right now because Reggie Jackson's playing as a go-to guy. He yeah. had the best performance by a point guard for the Clippers since Chris Paul like six years ago last night. It was an amazing performance. So we'll see. But the ceiling this year, they're not making a deep run in my view without those guys. But... They are going to use what they learned this season to help them next season. Well, the ceiling is definitely not the floor for uh, this Clippers team. No. So I, I think that they're do. I, I think the future is bright. Yes, but the present is in the middle. <laughs> yeah, right? and and to be honest, the present is greater than you would have thought. I mean, there was no. The beauty of this Clippers team is there is no expectation. If you don't have Kawhi and you don't have Paul George and you make it in season trade uh, for like surge, I mean, this team is not what they thought that they could be when they were healthy. So if I told you before this season, Kawhi's going to be out for the entire season, the entire season. And Paul George, he's going to play at the beginning, but he's going to miss the majority 
um, of the season. No one's thinking that particular Clippers team, no Kawhi, no Paul George, is competing for the number six seed. That 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 that's not a possibility. So you know, kudos to the Clippers for the job that they've done. But the future is bright. Um. It's March Madness in college basketball, and Saturday night, USC plays UCLA at Poly Pavilion in the last game of the regular season before the start of the Pac-12 tournament next week in Las Vegas. UCLA wants to end its five-game losing streak against the Trojans. The Bruins' long, longest slide against their rivals since the 1940s. Wow. Will they? And who you got? Well, so I, listen, I'm a USC fan, so I have to go with my uh, USC Trojans. But that is an amazing run that USC has had, especially when you consider last season UCLA goes to, to the Final Four and has the run that, that they did. So for USC during this time period where UCLA is a top 25 team, by the way, they are very closely ranked to USC number 16, UCLA number 17. That game will be at Poly Pavilion in front of a sold out crowd. Uh, so listen, I have to take USC. There is no way that I'm going to be on the radio picking UCLA. I of course, would not be shocked if UCLA closes out their season with a win against USC. But give me the Trojans. Um... This is going to be a big game for both of these teams, though. You know, I mean, having that momentum going into the Pac-12 tournament next week again. But both teams will have the first round of the tournament off. But then, uh, you know, they will hit the court Thursday and we'll see who wins the Pac-12 tournament championship. Just USC really needs to to to. they need a win to just get the taste of that U of A game, like out of their mouth. You know, when they are down by 26 points in the first half and they lose by 20. Um, and I felt so bad for those guys because the Galen Center was sold out for the first time all season. The place was packed. The place was rocking. And then for them to play like that, just lay an egg, hoping for a big USC win come Saturday night. I mean, here's my issue, though, is that, yes, it may have been sold out, but U of A is the better team. No, I mean, they are, just, but know. like, I mean, at least make it a good game. I mean, they were down by 26 right. before I even grabbed like a um, hot dog. So, you know, <laughs> <just kidding. laughs> now, well, I, I was there at the beginning of the game. I just wanted to let you know, but I just, <laughs> when you're down 26 in the first half, I mean, that, that is just, you're not giving the crowd a, an excuse. So they were so pumped for pregame, the players come out, tip off, score in the first basket, and then. That was it. Then it's like, okay. Yeah, the pin drop. <laughs> and then you know it's Los Angeles still at the end of the day, so they're they're leaving. They're leaving in the first half. Yeah, there's traffic. I know. They don't want still. to be stuck in traffic. Um, I don't care if it's 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. There's still going to be traffic. Yeah. But I will say this. UCLA, that home court advantage at Poly Pavilion, it better be strong. Because I'm sure that, that SC... It should be, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that SC is going to come back, like you said, with that really bad U of A loss yeah. uh, taste in their mouth, and they're going to come guns blazing. My only my only um, issue is that maybe they might be a little too confident. Maybe they're confident because they did have get that W yeah. at home. So that might be going against their... Um, just going against them, yeah. right? But, I mean, if they played the way that they played against uh, UCLA, it's going to be a tight game. I, I mean, I, I want it to be a good game. Yeah. I love this streak, though. I did not know that this has been the longest USC winning streak against UCLA since the 1940s. Again, five straight games. That's an amazing run. Again, listen, at the end of the day, USC is a football school, but it's good to have a good hoops program. All right, Arash. Los Angeles County 
officially lifted its indoor mask order today. Yeah. Yay. Masks are no longer required regardless of vaccination status, everybody, in such places as bars, stores, offices, restaurants, gyms, and movie theaters. The NFL is also dropping its COVID-19 protocols. What a shocker. Um, <laughs> right. For man- mandatory testing, masks, proximity measures, measuring devices, it's all over. For the NFL. With all that said, does this mean the pandemic is officially over today? Okay, so, I mean, this is a big step. The pandemic is not over, but from a standpoint of how we live our lives, this is officially the new normal for the National Football League. I mean, they they are effectively going back to to the way things were pre-pandemic. But when you go around Los Angeles County, and I know things have changed already in San Diego and other parts where you are tuning in to the mightier 1090, but... um, Things are effectively back to normal or whatever new normal that that we have. So you don't have to wear masks anymore. It was at the beginning, like if you could prove you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. Now, whether you've been vaccinated or not, you can walk into, as you mentioned, Jihei, uh, what is it? Bars, stores, um, offices, restaurants, gyms, movie theaters. You don't have to wear a mask. Essentially, kind of like the last um, place that you, you still have to wear one, and we'll see how long this one lasts, is if you're on public transportation, if you're flying, you know, things like that. But um, the pandemic is not over, but from the from the standpoint of mandates and masking and social distancing and things like that. Yes, it is. I I mean, I I, only time's going to tell because you're right feeling. Well, because we were there in July. Right. And and things were gone and people were like, throw away your mask. And then there was like the new variant. And so I'm just hoping that we are uh, now close to a place where, um, you know, we don't have to mask up everywhere. Listen, if you've been vaccinated, let's kind of, again, move into this new normal, I guess. Yeah, no, and and I think that that's the issue that I have, is that, like, you know, this, this back and forth, that that that's the reason why I'm just so wary, and um, that's the reason why I gave it, like, that minimum two, two and a half year, yeah. um, you know, uh, timeline as far as this uh, you all did. the mandates. I got to I mean listen, G.A. Wiley has been uh, wrong about a lot of things but she's right about more things than not. She was right about Russell Westbrook <laughs> and she was right about the pandemic. You know at the beginning and you know it like if you just looked at history you were 100% right. Like the 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 last pandemic that we had it lasted two years. So when this first happened back in 2020, she said, we're, we're going to be dealing with this until 2022. And I'm like, don't say that, please don't. And she, she's 100% right. Like, at least two years later, an amazing, it has effectively been two years. I was just going to say that. It's almost it's been two been years. Really right? been so two in years. Like two weeks, it'll be two uh, actual two years time. Yeah, I mean, for me, and I think a lot of sports fans out there, the pandemic began when that Thunder Jazz game was shut down. That was like March 11th. So we're really, it's been two years. Yeah. And now we're finally, we can retire the mass. Yeah. We'll see. How crazy is that? Well, hopefully we can retire exactly. the mass. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Again. We'll see for how long. Yeah. yeah. All right, Arash. Yeah. Today is your birthday. Yes. You're turning 42. Oh. I know. Ouch, right? Um, will you be throwing a birthday party? And can you ever be too old to celebrate your birthday? With no, listen, I'm still the last 42-year-old that uses his birthday as an excuse to have a party. And GA, we partied it up two years ago. And you're working tonight, not only here, but you're working somewhere else. We are going to celebrate together, um, like outside of tonight. But like I just remember like that was sort of like the beginning of the, the, the seeds being found, you know, planted for this show in an amazing friendship. And so I have used my uh, b- b- this birthday today 
it's been, been an excuse to have a birthday party. And so, um, you know, thank you to all those who've reached out. The texts have been amazing, you know, on uh, Twitter and Instagram and things like that. I still have a party. And, gee, I think we had a, a, a party for you. Listen, yes, we're 42, but come on now. We can still we can still have a good time. Yeah, you're never too old to celebrate your birthday, please. That's right. I, I mean, we're not, you know, 20 anymore, so we're not going to be celebrating birthday months. We're not going to go crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm still going to, you know, go home and uh, sleep at a reasonable time. I'm not going <laughs> to. I may close down the bar tonight, but that's only because it's my birthday. Yeah, but, uh, and, and well-deserved, right? Well-deserved exactly. to shut down the bar. <laughs> so, so it's, it's yeah, you know, to answer your question, yes, you can still have a, a party um, and have a cake with candles and make a wish. So looking forward to doing that. Looking forward to having a birthday weekend. The cool thing, GK, is that the birthday falls on a Friday. So, if, you know, this is my actual birthday and we can have a party tonight. All right, let's leave it there for now. When we come back, we will be joined by my good friend Michael Duarte from KNBC Channel 4 in Los Angeles talking more about the Lakers-Clippers game when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 and the Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. And now a word from our newest sponsor, NordVPN. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. Do it now. And now... Let's go back to the show. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just as a, rem- just as a reminder, if you have a question or a comment or just want to win tickets this month to a Kings or a Galaxy game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. All right, joining us now on the Circa Sports guest hotline is our good friend Michael Duarte from KNBC4 in Los Angeles. Michael, how are you doing, my friend? Arash, today is a very special Friday. I would be remiss not to wish you a happy <laughs> birthday in Italian, Santa Aguri, my friend, or even in Spanish, um, you know, Moon Campiano. So. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, well, Michael, we have a lot to get into. First, the Lakers and Clippers game last night. Um, we knew the Lakers were struggling. We knew these teams were going in completely opposite directions. I did not foresee the Clippers being up 30 points in the fourth quarter of that game. Michael, what was your big takeaway from that? I mean, this Lakers team, no knock on the Clippers, just seemed like a team that has quit. When you're down by 30 points to the Pelicans, when you're down by 30 points to the Clippers, I don't think those guys want to play right now. Yeah, I got the same sense of rush. Not that they don't want to play, but that they just seem over it. They seem over this season. They seem over trying to figure it out. They seem over the injuries. They seem, uh, you know, Russell Westbrook said something interesting, and what was crazy to me was last night watching him and hearing him get booed yeah. in that third quarter uh, as the Clippers went on this huge run. I think it ended up being 32-6, to six, but it started 26-2 to two in the third quarter. That's just, 
it's unacceptable on so many levels. And a lot of that was Russell Westbrook's not getting back on defense, uh, allowing uh, Zubak to cherry pick and get a couple easy dunks there. But but hear, hearing the staple, sorry, Crypto.com arena <laughs> crowd boo Russell Westbrook, yeah. boo the Lakers, even though it was a Clippers home game, that was very uh, surprising to me to hear that. Not to, to see them or hear them boo overall because they've been doing that for, for a while, but specifically Russell Westbrook. But, you know, he said something interesting a few games ago. He said, it is now in the opposing team's playbook, Arash, <laughs> to come into Crypto.com and put pressure on them, pound them, uh, get them out of their game, get them frustrated, get in their head a little bit because they're going to unravel. And we've seen teams kind of start to do that, that if you can get them off their game, even for a bit, a little bit, you know, get them complaining to the ref, get them upset, get them uh, out of their head, they will give up. They will just roll over and die on you. And we saw the Lakers do that uh, in the third quarter of last night's game. But moreover, Arash, that is seven consecutive losses to the Clippers by the Lakers. Uh, I believe they are 2-9 and nine in the LeBron James era against the Clippers, uh, the Lakers are, which is just head-scratching to me, especially because we know the sweep, the season sweep this year. Yeah. Uh, they were without Kawhi Leonard. They were without Paul George for three of those games. You know, a lot of fans don't remember this, but Ty Lue was almost signed as the Lakers coach, not Frank Vogel. You know, and, and they let Arash, we've got to remember this, they let Monty Williams, yeah. who now looks like the coach of the year and you know has the best record with the Suns right now, they let him go. They let him go sign with Phoenix. They didn't sign him. Uh, they were about to sign Ty Lue. They couldn't agree on how many years Ty Lue would remain as the head coach, so they let him go. And now he is the Clippers coach. I promise you he hasn't forgotten uh, that to go negotiation for the contract with the Lakers. Uh, and I promise you it's extra special to him to be a perfect 7-0 and against the Lakers, Ty Lue. Something to think about. Yeah, I mean, listen, that was a done deal with Ty Lue. I mean, he was so excited to come back, and he, you know, he had won, won a championship with LeBron in Cleveland, won multiple championships with the Lakers when he was a player. They lowballed him. I mean, they lowballed both Monty and Ty Lue. They they did two things to both of those guys who were very proud coaches. They lowballed them with a contract offer that they thought, listen, if you don't want to come here that badly, then you know you can go somewhere else. And they basically said that we're going to handpick your coaching staff. Now, for Ty Lue, he's like, listen, you can give LeBron all the credit in the world, but I still coach that team. Give me my due. And I think we are seeing with this Clippers run, what a fantastic coach Ty Lue really truly like is. And um, I think everyone took a victory lap when they won the championship in 2020. Don't want to knock Frank Vogel, but he's not Monty Williams. He's not Ty Lue. Uh, with that said, you brought up a great point. LeBron, now 2-9 and nine against the Clippers. When you look at LeBron's time here, he misses the playoffs year one. They win the championship year two. They get bounced in round one year four. And now, I mean, amazingly, Michael, they may not even make this play-in tournament, but let's play this out. Let's just say they get bounced in the play-in tournament, or let's just say they win that and somehow make it into the postseason but get bounced in round one. How do you look at this? I mean, how do you look at LeBron's four-year stint so far here? I mean, he's won one championship, so that's that. People can knock that. I, I really don't want to do that. But for th th three of those four years, you either didn't make the playoffs or you got bounced in round one. How do you view LeBron's time here? 
Well, you have to view it as a success just because they won that title in the bubble. They were the number one seed that year. Uh, you know, they would have remained the number one seed had the COVID pandemic not interrupted the season. But as we've discussed before on this show, you know, I don't even think they win the championship if if the pandemic doesn't happen, allowing uh, a guy like Anthony Davis to heal up his shoulder, to heal up those different things, allowing them to go to the bubble 100% healthy, uh, and then to be able to go on that streak. And if you remember, they struggled those first regular season mm-hmm. games in the bubble. Like, they just turned up. They just turned up when the playoffs started, and we saw a completely different version of Anthony Davis uh, throughout the way. And they got lucky along the way. You know, Damian Lillard gets hurt in that first series against the Blazers. They were one of the hottest teams in the bubble going into that series. Uh, obviously, Bam out of out of bio and Gordon Dragic hurt uh, in the finals for the Heat. So they got an easy pass. So you have to look at LeBron's time here more mostly as, as a success because obviously they win a title. And LeBron always said from the very beginning his goal was just to bring the Lakers back to where they're supposed to be, yeah. which was a team that contends for a championship each and every year. Uh, outside of that first year, his rookie year, his rookie year with the Lakers, I should say. Uh, when he had Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram, uh, outside of that year, which I don't think anybody expected that team to win a title, um, they, they have had title aspirations, you know, each and every year past that. Um, obviously, injuries have derailed them each time, and that's something that really needs to be looked at. And you know, it's tough because Anthony Davis and LeBron James are really close, as you know. Um, yeah. You know, as best friends as best friends could possibly be in L.A. together. And I'm sure LeBron is so frustrated with Anthony Davis not being able to stay healthy this season and last season for that matter and to be able to stay on the court and help him here. I think those two alone would, would make a difference and make this team, you know, probably a top five team in the West at least if Anthony Davis was able to be healthy for the entire season. I think LeBron can look at the Russell Westbrook experiment and realize it's a bad fit and realize he made a mistake and hopefully they can erase that mistake in the offseason and do whatever they can to, to get Westbrook out, which are the reports now this week that Westbrook is willing to have a separation with the Lakers. Probably he opts in, obviously, that $47 million next year, uh, but then allows himself to be traded to another team. So I think LeBron can fix that, but I think both LeBron and AD are frustrated, uh, and they are very close that, that Anthony Davis can't stay healthy and stay on the court. So that's going to be something when you look at this totality, this four-year run with LeBron is going to be not only just that he won a championship, but all the missed opportunities because, you know, both of them couldn't stay healthy, but moreover, Anthony Davis couldn't stay healthy. Now, what what would have to happen for them to find a trade partner? When you're talking about a player who's making $47 million next year, does Russell have to take a pay cut? Do the Lakers have to sweeten the pot with not just one first-round pick, with with two, which is really crazy to think, Michael, when you're talking about a team that, that – may be struggling for the next few years. I mean, you do not want to part with those first-round picks. So what needs to happen? Because I, I really think, I, like, at this point, he wants to leave. They want him to leave. They just have to find a way to make this happen. Yeah, correct. And I think that the offseason is going to allow you more opportunities to make that happen. First and foremost, uh, Arash, you've seen Russell Westbrook's post-game interviews. Yeah. Uh, you try telling Russell Westbrook to take a pay cut <laughs> a player option exactly. for $47 million. So I don't think uh, that's going to happen, unfortunately. But um, I do think he will be open to a trade. He'll be That'll be amicable for him. I think what's going to happen is that you're going to see the Lakers go back to the Rockets um, and go back 
and, and renegotiate that John Wall trade. I think that's still yeah. probably the most likely option that, that the Lakers can get. Um, but there might be some other teams out there that are willing to take on an expiring contract in Russell Westbrook, knowing that they only have one more year left. It's dead money for them uh, for that final year. And they might have contracts that they want to move with some of their players um, that they don't want to be tied to anymore that might be uh, more than just a year that the Lakers would be willing to take on in a trade if it was a team that wasn't the Rockets. The other thing to look into if you're looking at that John Wall trade is once the offseason begins, now the Lakers will have that 2029 first-round draft pick because you can't trade consecutive first-round picks, uh, so that takes out the 28 pick. You know, the 27 pick might have been something that they said, you know, this might be a little too soon. This might be right after LeBron leaves, right after AD leaves, and, you know, that could be a high pick. But if you're Rob Palenka, you might be like, I might not be around for the 2029 pick. That is so far away now. That is seven years away. Yeah. So maybe they would be more inclined to throw in the 2029 pick uh, to get John Wall instead of the 2027 first-round pick. Uh, so that might be something that gets that deal done if that's what they want to go back and, and reintroduce those talks. But, you know, the Kings might be ready to blow things up, and they might be able to move some pieces. Uh, the Trailblazers might be willing to blow things up, and maybe you can get Damian Lillard somehow. That's what the Lakers wanted the entire That'd be time a dream. Yeah. Uh, in the offseason. You know, it, it looks like Portland might be ready to, to blow that up by trading McCollum at the break. So there are some deals to be had in the offseason now that Russell Westbrook will be in the final year of his contract. And some teams might be willing to take on that in order to move some pieces that they want to get out of. Uh, speaking of the cap, I uh, want you to touch on what the Rams are doing. I mean, I think people, when they looked at their cap situation, they thought, oh, they'll be cap strapped. Well, I mean, they actually had a lot of contracts that they could have extended, moved around. I think you're seeing them do that right now. The good news is Sean McVay will come back. Um, your view on what the Rams are doing. I mean, the, the big talking point during the parade and at the rally, run it back, run it back. And it does seem like they want to do that. Your thoughts on what, again, the Rams don't have a first-round pick. They don't have a first-round pick from now until the end of time, it seems like. But your thoughts on what the Rams are trying to do right now? Yeah, great question. And I'm so fortunate and happy that we were able to speak with Rams general manager Les Snead earlier this week, uh, a little bit of Sean McVay as well. And what was great was Sean McVay completely something that I forgot. His fiance Veronica, uh, she's from Ukraine. Her, That's right. Her father, her father and stepmother are still living in Ukraine. They stay awake until the morning hours to watch the Rams play games, to watch the Rams in the playoffs. So, you know, it, it was so interesting to hear John McVay say, you know, I get so upset, I get so frustrated throughout the year at, you know, silly things that happen to be on the football field or, or in regards to football. And it really puts it in perspective to see that an entire country of people is being invaded yeah. um, for, for no other reason than selfish exploits, let's, let's be honest. And, you know, how that just puts everything in perspective and really shows you what's important and how important family is to him. So I was glad that we were able to talk to him and hear that. But to go back to your question, really being able to talk to Les Need and finally understand that, you know, Sean McVay maybe was flirting with the idea of going to the broadcast booth. It's an idea that is intriguing to him, but ultimately, you know, he just won a Super Bowl. His heart is in coaching, and he wants to remain there, but he wants a better contract now that he's won a Super Bowl. A guy like Aaron Donald, believe it or not, I think is like the 23rd highest player in the NFL right now. No. But arguably, arguably the best player in the NFL. Uh, obviously, he might not get paid quarterback money, but I think he's only the fifth 
uh, highest paid defensive player. So part of his retirement talk, quote unquote, I believe was a bargaining chip to say, hey, I want to be the number one paid defensive player of the year. You got Matthew Stafford uh, as your starting quarterback now who won a, won, a, won a title, won a Lombardi trophy in his first season. It's time for him to uh, potentially sign an extension. So they are in talks to re-sign and renegotiate or rework the contracts or just extend them for both Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald. And so what that can do, Arash, is if you re-extend those contracts, you rework them, you can potentially save money on the cap for this upcoming season in 2022 uh, while maybe backloading that contract when you think the CBA, excuse me, when you think the CBA is going to get better and get higher uh, in the years to come as you just think that that cap is going to raise up with the money that the NFL is making on some of those TV deals. So you backload it, you enter in some signing bonuses, you bring back Aaron Donald, probably I think he's got three years left on this deal. You add two more years to it, make it a five-year deal, make him the highest paid player in the, in the NFL defensively. Uh, you rework Matthew Stafford's deal, give him uh, maybe two or three more years to extend him. If Andrew Whitworth retires, there's $17 million that comes off the book. Uh, you have some free agents out there that we talked about that you're going to have to make some decisions on, like Darius Williams, a cornerback, uh, Joe Nopum, uh, an offensive lineman that would you would seem, seemingly step in for Andrew Whitworth's starting spot if he were to retire. But the biggest thing is if Andrew Whitworth is a, does decide to retire, which Les Snead alluded to, then that could open up uh, you know, almost $70 million in space for the Rams with all of the, the free agents that are coming off the books with Whitworth potentially coming off the books. And that allows you now, with that extra cap space uh, and the restructuring of those two guys I just talked about, Donald and Stafford, to go after guys like Vaughn Miller, re-sign him. Uh, maybe even re-sign Odell Beckham Jr., knowing that he's probably going to miss half the season and could come back to give you you know, a second-half surge like he did this year when they acquired him uh, after he was cut by the Browns. So they do have a lot of moves they can make. And for a team that we thought, like you just said, Arash, was going to be way over the salary cap, it's looking like if if the chips fall where they may as far as Whitworth and restructuring some of these deals and loading them high on the back end, that they're going to have plenty of cap to not just re-sign their own guys that are free agents, but potentially sign some new guys outside and make a, a run for a repeat. Uh, last two questions during our last five minutes with uh, Michael Duarte joining us on the Circus Sports uh, Hotline here from KNBC4 in Los Angeles on the My Mighty Year 1090 in the fan in Las Vegas. Uh, Michael, I hate to keep bringing this up because there's no games being played, but it does seem like maybe there's some conversations between the league and the Players Association. Major League Baseball, uh, your best guess, again, we, no one knows for sure. When do we get some games? Do we have to wait until the summer? Will it happen in the spring? And what will the season look like? Will they play 100 games? Will they play 60 games again? What What is your best guess on how this all plays out? Yeah, Rosh, these negotiations right now look as pale and as grave as a sculpture of a nun. It is not, <laughs> it is just not, uh, these are, I recently spoke to Dodgers manager Dave Roberts, and he was telling me, um, kind of candidly, just, just speaking about what's going on. You know, these are two sides in the owners, the, the 30 MLB owners uh, that represent MLB in the league that are represented by Commissioner Rob Manfred and, and the Players Association, the union. These are two sides that do not like each other very much. And moreover, what Dave Roberts told me was they do not trust each other. Yeah. And that trust hasn't been there for years. 
And you're talking about trying to hammer out a deal, trying to sit at a negotiation table as they were able to do for nine consecutive days in Jupiter, Florida, which honestly they should have been doing since December of 2021. They should not have waited to the last second to do this. Uh, and then the way MLB spins it every single time to make it seem like it's the player's fault. It's the players are aware of these tactics and these tactics in order to get them to uh, disrupt their unity, disrupt their uh, present, like people like Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, Andrew Miller, who are in their board, who are in the rooms negotiating to disrupt their leadership and have uh, the players kind of fractured is the goal, I believe, of the owners. And I think the players know that. So that's even more distrust there. Then when you hear these reports, guys like Artie Marino of the Angels, as well as some other teams, the Reds, the Diamondbacks, et cetera, who do not want to see the CBT tax uh, in Major League Baseball go up, not even to go up to $220 million, which is where MLB's counteroffer started with, where the league has always been at about $236 million for the 2022 or 2023 season. Now on top of this, Arash, in addition to being far apart on things like the CBT, being far apart on things like the players' bonus pool, then you also have to deal with the fact that now you're going to try to negotiate how many games are we going to play. The, the players are still going to want to try to play 162, and if yeah. they don't play 162, they're going to want to get paid for a full season. Yeah. And they're going to want to try to negotiate that into this deal. So, so there's a lot of things that are still to be negotiated that weren't even talked about over the last previous nine days leading up to it that are now going to have to be talked about just to get a deal done. Uh, quickly, what I'll say is that I think that the owners, knowing that um, ticket sales are always down in April, didn't care if they missed the first month of the season anyway. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they care if they missed the half a month of May. So I really think that mid-May, you know, start of summer, early June is when the owners want to get baseball playing again before they actually have to start worried about, you know, giving money back on those TV deals that games will be missed. I still believe that around 120 is how many games the season will end up being, which means you're going to end up canceling close to 40 games. I think they've already canceled six to seven, depending on yeah. what those, those first two series were. So that's where I think it's going to be. But, you know, the fact that there's just been barely any talks now since that time between the players and the union, uh, sorry, between the, the union and the owners, uh, and that's just by their representative lawyers, I think that's not a good sign for how this bodes well moving forward. So I, I think we might not see baseball rush until middle of May, end of May at the earliest, probably yeah, June. That's and not I good. I think you're looking at, you know, around 120 games. Yeah. Awesome, Michael. You're the best. Let's do it again next week. Thank you so much for joining us. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.